welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes. Give us those five stars. We deserve them. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is. I thought he had accidentally taken acid when the first downline started moving around on Fox. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, obviously it was not in Kansas City, but you, uh, I don't know if anybody else was watching and like all of a sudden that I thought that my stream had frozen or something had gone wrong because it was like a stand, a shot of the, of the field. And then like the first down yellow line started waving up and down. Did anybody else see that? Or was that just me? I'm going to thank you. Thank you. Uh, to our guest and to Colin for not jumping in before they were introduced because that's how, <laughs> that's how podcasting works. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, this is my time to speak and I would like to uh, do a quick five minutes on the wonder that is Monopoly. No, I'm, I'm just joking. I don't, I don't have anything to say. I would love to hear five minutes of your thoughts on that. I didn't realize you felt so strongly. It's on more Monopoly. of a strategy than anything else. Like what you need the yellows. That's a that's a good one, and then everybody goes for those blues. But you know, you can still make some money on the purples. That's true, and you always want to be the banker so you can shove five hundred dollar bills under the board, and then yes, or maybe you're not supposed to do that. I don't. No, know. I don't understand people that don't cheat at games. Like I try to cheat at everything that I play, and everybody's like, everybody's like, uh, you're cheating, and it's like, yeah, man, I'm trying to win. Like I'm not like it's it's not like we're like at, I'm not going to cheat at Cards Against Humanity, but like if we're gonna play. Uh, <laughs> If we're going to play Monopoly or like some sort of like a war, any sort of card game, I'm cheating. Uno, I'm stacking multiple cards like together and then just trying to slip them down like boom, just there's a five and then just try to let it go. Let it get it happening. <laughs> Our other winner with us always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report and is trying to perfect his cranberry stuffed donut recipe. Where are the cranberry pastries? This is what America needs in 2020, if nothing else. Let's embrace the cranberry pastry. I don't, I don't want to judge Josh, but when he says these cheating at card games and then mentions, say, Uno instead of poker, I was wondering why he was not getting shot while cheating, and I understand now that he was playing children's games, not like adult games. It yeah, I mean, sense. I'm going to cheat sense. when it's like fun, when you're playing for fun. Like when you're playing for money, like that's a whole different story. But when you're just playing for fun, I'm cheating, baby. It's easier to cheat when your competitor's five years old, too, I assume. Great point. You know, they, they can't figure it out. Let's bring on our guest on the one-day contract this week, Jonathan Alexander, Panthers beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, former beat writer covering Triangle College basketball, and he wants you to know that he hopes we're all doing well before the pod starts. Welcome, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you for, <laughs> for having me. I, I appreciate it. I, I was talking to Elena on my podcast, and – telling her a couple of weeks ago, I didn't realize I had become that person. So, um, yeah, well, I hope, I hope you're doing well. I, and I hope I, you're doing well as well. Thank you. That's uh, it does. I will say it adds a nice air of, um, an, at like an air of just charm and niceness to the press conferences before, before all your questions that you do, uh, that you, that you make sure that you hope people are doing well. And we appreciate that. I know. I, I, I hope I'm able to do that. I've noticed a few people started to do that as well. So that, that feels like an honor. 
You're totally right. I have noticed uh, a couple things. Well, it's like with the Zoom press conferences, you notice now think people like fall into the same things, like whether they start questions with like, I'm curious or like, I have a quick question. I know Bill Voth was like making fun of this on Twitter that it's like, I have just a quick question. Yeah. And then you say, um, and, uh, and whatever you're going to say, I tend to, sometimes I'll start questions and then I won't really know where they're going with them. And then I'll just end them. Like, I'll just be like, and then also, and that's the end of the question. Like, I, I just don't, I don't have anything else. It happens. It happens. But, um, I like that I'm a trendsetter. That's Absolutely. And that's a trend I can get behind. I mean, we need more of that. Happiness, yes. positivity. And Jonathan, you were raised in the Queen City. Whereabouts in the Queen City? What, what high school did you go to? Uh, I went, my first two years, I went to Harding University High School. And then uh, when Mallet Creek uh, opened up for the first time, went to Mallet Creek in 11th grade and graduated from there. So I've grown up most of my life on, on the university side for most of it. So your, your football record improved slightly and your, your football high school experience improved slightly between your sophomore and junior year. Slightly. Um, yeah. Respect to Harding's football squad. Yeah. Well, to, to be honest, Harding was okay. But when I got to Mallet Creek, you know, the first year they actually weren't that good. They were – because we didn't have seniors. So like, we were kind of up and coming. The next year we got a lot better. And then the year after that, they were like, the real deal. So they waited until after I left to be really good. But we were really good at uh, women's soccer at my at Myers Park when I was there. So we was it was well before the Drake May days. Drake May, <laughs> Luke May, Drake May, Drake May. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Luke May went to Huff, went to Huff. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I never really got into high school um, like sports, like watching them. I was more of a Blind drama. Man. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, more of a drama kid um, in high school. Uh, I, I had about um, I didn't need to gain the freshman fifteen when I went to college, but I did. So, uh, so I was uh, I was the kind of guy that like in when I was like a sophomore in high school, I had a lot of older people that would be like, "You look like you can play offensive line." It's like that's just you're just calling me fat, basically. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, before we get to the football talk, just real quick, Nikki's super important question this week is, how many tabs are open on your computer right now, and what does your inbox look like? Oh, boy. In I ask this because there are two very different people in this world. So I have, I have two different Google Chromes open. One of them has four tabs, and the other one has six. Wait, yeah, six. And my inbox is at, oh man, I don't even know. Let me see. Hang on. <laughs> uh, 490. So not that bad. Pretty good. I feel like once you're over like 20, you're just, it doesn't really matter. Like you're, you're, you may as well be at a thousand. Just unsubscribe from fanatics at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, what is, what does your situation look like? Oh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but uh, I'm at 17 tabs right now. Holy cow. And I deleted half of them before coming on here. Uh, so I was at 34 earlier today. Were uh, you were you writing something? Because that's what it's like when I'm writing stuff. Because I'll like open up, here's like a pro football reference tab. And then like, here's another tab of somebody's college days. And like, I'll just have oh, a bunch yeah. of, I, I, We get it. Special teams yeah. talk is coming up later. <laughs> game, <laughs> game day, man. You, you look up stats, man. You open one tab, you open another one. 
You want to, re- oh, and I think my issue is, the biggest thing about my issue is I re- I'll read, or I'll see a headline in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and then I'll click on it and then I'll say, oh, this is a long story. Let me get back to it. Uh, let me get back to this story. And then I never read them, but I leave the tabs open. That's why I have so many tabs. That's why I got one tab and now they just live in one tab. <laughs> and I never go back and actually read them. Neither. Yes. I'm, I'm with Jonathan. I got more tabs than, than you want to know. The most offensive alert number I recently found out that I have was my text messages were at 23. And uh, my wife was concerned, concerned, uh, aka a little bit upset because she was pretty sure that hers were some of those 23. So <laughs> I think I just realized. That was the worst number I had. I just looked down at my uh, my little task bar down here. My text messages right now are also at 23, which I did not realize. But like my first screen is clear, you know? So there's probably just some, uh, let me just scroll down here. Some riffraff. Yeah, yeah some riffraff. My, po- <laughs> my, po- my Postmates verification code is the first one that's unread. So oh. that's, uh, that's just to let you know where I'm at in 2020. The important things. Yep. Uh, the whole reason I asked this is because I had to do a screen share earlier with someone and they were like, oh my gosh, why do you have so many tabs? And I can't even count how many they are. So I'm a little embarrassed and I'm embarrassed somebody saw it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm north of 20 if on any given day. Ditto. I'm probably north of 30. I can't even count them. There's so many. This is a problem. I should probably go through all these. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Probably. And I'm never inbox zero. I want to make that clear. I think it's impossible. I know some people are OCD and they have to be inbox zero. It's just, it's just not for me. That's not the life for me right now. I just got a personal email from Fred Whitfield, uh, president of the Charlotte Hornets announcing that they're back, baby. I don't know if it's a personal email. Uh, oh, I, I, was asking for, I thought he was asking for advice. <laughs> <laughs> or to come on the show, maybe. Tell him, oh, maybe. Tell, him, tell him we'll have him on next week. Hornets corner. There you go. Well, let's jump right into Panthers talk. Let's start with news. CMC with this latest injury getting banged up. What is going on here? Are there any concerns about being injury prone? What are we looking at, Josh? Um, okay, so I have two things. The first thing is I am not I'm not not concerned about the shoulder injury. I think that it's something that will it's definitely going to keep him out this month this Sunday. Um, and then we'll see kind of how it how it progresses over the course of the year. I do wonder about the phrase injury prone and, and I'd be curious to get Jonathan's take on this too, because I think it gets thrown around a lot when people get injured, um, back, uh, have like injuries close to each other. Like he had the ankle injury, comes back and now he has the shoulder injury rather than having to me, injury prone means that you are consistently injured and you're, and, and I think that it means a little bit that you're kind of always, banged up with the same issue that's what it like a lingering like a leg issue like you have a uh a a hamstring that kind of bothers you throughout your career that to me says a little bit more injury prone rather than what's happening with Christian having two kind of I don't want to say fluky because a high ankle sprain is a high ankle sprain um injuries back to back yeah I'd agree with that I mean you know, before this, did McCaffrey have, I don't recall McCaffrey having any injuries in, the, in his four years before his high ankle sprain. No, and, uh, barely missed a snap. Yeah, barely missed a snap. I mean, um, you know, compared to the amount of snaps that he's played, um, you say he's probably one of the most least in, injured players in the NFL. Um, this was just kind of like a seemed like a freak type of injury it happened at the on the last drive. Um, 
you know, I, I definitely Chris McCaffrey is probably far from injury prone. He takes care, really good care of his body. Definitely concerned though, uh, considering Matt Rule's comments. What did he What did he tell us? Did he He said he wanted to respect Christian's privacy. Yeah, that was scary when when Steve Reed specifically asked him for an MRI or an X-ray, and he said he wanted to respect Christian's privacy. Um, so I, I I think it's just really a question. We're going to wait on some. Um, on the, on the results to come back and then we'll, we'll know more obviously, but it does feel like sometimes we can get caught up in this, like, well, now he's, uh, he's going to be injured for the rest of his career. And I, I just don't buy that necessarily. And if you're going to have a year where you're going to be injured and miss a bunch of time, this would be the year to do it. Yeah. Does it, does it seem like they're handling this a little oddly in terms of, it just feels like there's like a caginess around this, for I'm not sure what reason. The Panthers being cagey about an injury? A shoulder injury? Well, but I would argue that in those cases in the past, more often than not, if the guy was playing and, you know, there's reasons. And and we do have a change of regime here. So uh, it just kind of feels like we've had injuries before. Christian's had injuries before. It feels like this injury, at least in the initial kind of – reporting or you know immediately after here it feels like they're acting differently than they did about hey it's a high ankle sprain yeah i i almost wonder if it's a little bit more of the um the when you say caginess almost like the mind games because it did feel like uh like matt rule likes that aspect of like well he might be back this week and then it's like come on dude he's not going to be back. like it's one of those things where he's saying the things that are kind of uh, opposite of what we think might be true. Um, when, I mean, he was basically like two and a half, three weeks ago was saying, well, we don't know, maybe Christian will be back. And it's like, we probably know Christian's not going to be back. But mm-hmm. I, I think that that might be, might've been what they were doing yesterday in terms of like, well, let's, we'll see when I think they, they know, um, they at least have a general idea of what he's, of what's happening to him right now. It was a little bit, it, it was interesting that he didn't uh, speak to the media either Sunday or Monday, especially after the high ankle sprain. He spoke both after the game and the Monday after um, in order to, uh, and, and Matt Rule, to his credit, has been fairly uh, open about the early onset of injuries. He has said, you know, hey, this guy is ha- has a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a while. What, you know, we're going to put this guy on IR. They don't usually wait for that kind of stuff. So I, I do – I'll be curious to see how they handle this one and whether it's a harbinger of how things are going to be handled in the future because that's the thing. We don't know how this regime does handle injuries um, going forward. Yeah, I, th- I mean – of course, coaches, coaches are, are a little weird about injuries, especially college coaches. And Matt Rule's a former college coach. I think I, I remember talking to a coach I was covering once, um, and I asked him, I said, what, what absolutely would you not tell me? And he was like, I would absolutely not tell you my injuries. And, and it's, it's, they think it's a competitive advantage if they keep other teams guessing whether they're – whether they're one of their best players is not going to play, then that team will prepare for them, and then they won't have them this week, and then the team, which I think is a little over the top. But, I mean, it just – it definitely was a little weird in the sense that, um, you know, Rule didn't want to say anything about it. Um, it to me, and, and the fact that he was supposed to be available yesterday and then wasn't maybe indicates that, you know, they thought that maybe it was a possibility he could – be ready for Sunday, but whatever they found out, you know, 
wasn't Nick. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of it. It was just different. Um, but, you know, coaches are really weird about, you know, revealing injury stuff. Jonathan, I think your point about the college coach may be, may be warranted here in the sense of, to me, this is a game that, like, I understand the gamesmanship about not wanting to, to show your hand and if a guy's injured. I get that. But this is the NFL. I don't, I, I don't think you can play with this when guys have contracts on the lines. And I don't think that's a good game for a head coach to be in. I think it can create weird feelings between, you know, players and the I, I, I would be very leery about that. And I'm not saying that's what Matt Rule is doing here, but I can see it from a college standpoint where – but this is these are guys' livelihoods at this point. And, and I know CMC is not this specific situation, but I don't, I don't like playing gamesmanship with my guys' uh, health other than just being coy about we don't know who's available. Yeah, I, mean, I think you make a good point. I don't, I don't know if, if that's a standard that, uh, with NFL because it's my first year covering. Josh may know a little better. I don't know how Ron was. How was Ron with the uh, revealing? Uh, well, Ron, Ron would never talk to RV. Uh, that's an interesting, <laughs> way, interesting question for you. Well, he he would literally he would tell us uh, at the beginning of every Monday press conferences. You guys know that I don't talk to our training staff before the press conferences, so I don't have to lie to you. That's what he would tell us. So whether or not he was lying and he had already talked to the training staff, which I personally think he was. Sorry, Ron. Uh, but <laughs> you I think, think that, there was a post-it note on his desk when he arrived that let him know. You what? think he might have gotten a text about their franchise quarterback's shoulder the de- right after the game? No, just wait until Monday afternoon to figure that <laughs> stuff out. Um, but I think that uh, I, I do wonder if that's going to be something that you do that Matt Rule and his staff have to adjust to over the course of um, their you know their time in the NFL is not only the way that – because there's so much to being a a head coach and a coaching staff in the NFL that it's not just going out there and putting the best players on the field and making sure that you score the most points at the end of the day. It has so much more than than just that. And so I I do wonder if that's going to be something that – that that changes over the course of their regime. Or maybe it doesn't, and this is just how they do it because I I don't necessarily know how other uh, NFL head coaches have handled their injuries in the past. So, So we'll see. A lot of people on Twitter keep bringing this up with Dante Jackson and this recurring injury about why he's still in there every week. Would it make more sense for him to be taking a couple more weeks off, get healthy? Can it get healthy? Uh, I'm not a doctor. I just know that after, what, the second snap uh, in Kansas City, he was hopping mm-hmm. around like he had hurt, like he had re-injured his toe, and then it turns out he only took two snaps off the entire game. So he's obviously out there playing at less than 100%, and that's something you have to do in the NFL. Um, but I do wonder that, especially for a second year corner, if there might be, there might be some value to kind of pulling him off the field and saying, Hey man, like maybe take three weeks off, two weeks off, one week off, and just see if we can get that toe back to 100%. Cause he keeps saying, you know, it's not a hundred percent or it feels good. And then I re-aggravate it. So maybe what can they do to get to the point where he can't re-aggravate it? I just don't think the timeline works. I think because right around the time that toe probably starts feeling better is probably right around week 17. So I think he just has to play through it and you just got to know what it is. There's nobody behind him. Who who are you putting in behind him? So it, it sounds like it's a pain tolerance issue. He's, you know, and, and I'm, I guess I'm just trying to give him some toughness points for being out there, you know, at this point, uh, because I don't think there's really anything he or the team can do. Um, and, you know, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I agree with Colin's point. Um, 
you know, I mean, turf toe is a is a is an injury where it doesn't get worse, um, and it's going to take some time, you know, to get better. Um, but you know, if you sit them, just like concept, who are you going to put in? You know, Troy Pride hasn't played well. You know, they don't. They obviously don't have much faith in Troy Pride. They would have put him in. Um, you know, the other thing is, just like Rasul was on the COVID nineteen list, if he gets nicked up, you know, and, and you have Dante sitting. And you have Troy Pride in. You put Cornell there as the number two quarterback, cornerback, and then who do you rely on to be the number three cornerback? You, you really going to, you know, rely on Stanley Thomas Oliver? Now they get Stanley Thomas Oliver. He made a nice play when he played. But I don't think they want to be relying on a seventh-round pick who was really drafted to be a special teams player, you know. But, but in a year like this, does it, like, I mean, they're not going to – like, if you're going to lose games anyway, like if they want to win, though, no, I get that they want to win, obviously, but like mm-hmm. at what, they? at what sure. cost, I guess I, is my but, it, but that's just it. If it can't get hurt and you're worse, if he takes a See, week that's, off, that's the key. If it can't right. get, and it can't, I mean, if it's just a turf toe, it's a, it's a pain tolerance issue. If he takes a week off, I, the first series he plays, the, you could very well see it and you go, well, all we did was not have him out there for two weeks. So we'd rather have – as flawed as Dante has been, Dante at 85% is better than whatever else they're going to put out there. Has anyone ever had turf toe? Anybody on this podcast? No? No. All right. I broke my toe once. Does that count? Ow. Stubbed oh, it real hard. <laughs> it was a stub. It was a stub situation. Was it, was it a set piece in high school theater that you stubbed <laughs> on? I was just trying to, yeah, I was showing off my, how angry I was in the glass menagerie. How long were you on the IR for that? <laughs> well, you know, I wore through a couple pairs of crutches. Um, and then, uh, no, I mean, the best part about breaking your toe is you like, even if you go to the doctor, there's like, they'll just be like, yeah, your toe's broken. <laughs> They'll, they'll, try and sell right. you the, uh, they'll try and sell you that super sandal. They'll sell you that thing. A boot. The, the boot, yeah. A $300 super sandal. That you See, in a couple weeks, on. that'll be $180. <laughs> um, looking back at this Chiefs game, the team won't use the term moral victory, but will you? Let's start with Colin. No. The Chiefs did not play the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. The Chiefs, particularly on offense, the Chiefs were doing – they were working on their offense – against the Carolina Panthers. They, they, they weren't they – weren't, their scheme, everything they were running had nothing to do with the Carolina defense. This, this Panthers roster is not close to the Chiefs. Despite the score, I, I liked a lot of what we saw. Um, but, but, no, there's no, there's no moral victory. Because I saw a team in the defending world champs that didn't even need to prepare for this, for this uh, bunch that showed up. So, no. Jonathan? Um, I kind of like – I mean, I don't believe in moral victories, but I, I do think playing the Chiefs the way they did can help them and can hurt them. And, and when I say can help them, I mean, it, it gives – it can give them confidence that, you know, they're good enough to, to hang in with teams, even though they, they had to take extra precautions to hang in there. They had to go forward on fourth down three times. Uh, and they even tried two one-side kicks. Um, but I think it also hurt them because how many times, Josh, have they not um, uh, finished the game? I mean, they've tried to come back on teams. I think they're two and four in games decided by eight points or less. I'm pretty sure they've. it's been every single game 
of the year ever all all six of their losses they've had a chance to um to to either get off the field or to score on the last possession and they weren't able to do it and that's one of the things that i uh that i asked matt rule about yesterday or uh, monday through the magic podcasting is um that is like do you believe that you have to like learn how to win because this team doesn't know how like they are like when they get close at the end of these games they are actively failing and they're finding new ways to do it. And I think a lot of places, a lot of people, they're, they're very quick to, to heft it on Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't necessarily think that it's all got to be on Teddy. I think there are certainly times when it has been, Teddy has made errors, you know, obviously the, the interception at the end of the Atlanta game comes to mind for me, mm-hmm. but you look at some of these things, whether it's been Joe Brady, whether it's been Mike Davis, not getting out of bounds, whether it's been to hear Whitehead, not being in the right gap, against Tampa the first time. There are all these examples of why this team uh, didn't know the right thing to do at the end of the game in order to get the win, to push to make that difference. Because the reality is, is they're three and six. The difference between three and six and six and three is like, what, 15 yards maybe? Yeah. So, I mean, they, it, it, it's, it's something that comes with time. But I am a little bit concerned, and I think we're going to talk about this later in the show. I'm a little bit concerned at at what point it becomes a thing. Because in L.A. with the Chargers, it's a thing. Like they are, they can't win now. And how do you how do you make that changeover from not being able to win to winning? Well, yeah. The more you the more you you know you lose those games, the more you know when you get in into those games in the future it becomes like oh here we go again like I I remember Mm -hmm. Carolina in the last year Larry Fedora um covering that team and they'd be in the lead or yeah they'd be in the lead at the end of games and then all of a sudden the team would come back and beat them that happened probably about six times that year um of their uh, I guess nine losses and it just and, and they even told me you know they'll take a lead and the team start coming back and they say, Oh, you know, Oh damn, like here it goes again. And then they lose those games. And when you lose those games over and over, you start to expect it. And until you start winning those games, like Carolina last year, and now, you know, they still losing a few. Sorry, Josh, you know, that Florida state and that other game, but I don't want to talk about it, but, but they're winning more than they, what they used to. They've learned how to win better than they had in the past. And I wonder if that's, you know, if, if the, continued losses is will will continue to carry over when they're in another close game. I, I really back baby. I, I really don't worry about the 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 loser mentality. The obvious, you know the Chargers thing it, that's you know <laughs> they are finding a way but they're also making their own bed. You know if you're if you're throwing fade routes and stuff like that in the red zone, you know, okay. Yeah, but that stuff's happening. You're calling your the the Panthers are calling fullback dives on fourth and one and they're, you know, they're they're making they're doing the same thing whether it's coaching whether it's play calling whether it's mistakes like the the mistakes are coming and okay. so that that's my that's my worry go ahead well, sorry no 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 I'm, I'm with you there's players mistake i'm still of the opinion and and i want to while i do not claim moral victory i love everything we saw out of matt rule and matt rule's team coming to play the world champions i i, I like that they used the extra time they were aggressive they, they came out with an energy that most of the time under the last guy didn't happen. The guys looked like they had gone to Cabo for a week and come back and realize that they were still in the midst of an NFL season. Mm-hmm. I like so much of what I saw. But the, I don't think – I think Matt Rule is trying to serve two masters here, and I think they're aware of the draft 
spot. And I think they're trying to be smart. And I'll admit, uh, you know, the, the, the Christian McCaffrey news took a little bit of, uh, t- you know, took a little shine off this weekend. But I, I, I confess I went and looked at the old, uh, the old draft board. I was looking at it uh, Sunday night. May have been taking a peek, just seeing what might be out there. I think they are doing that. There's decisions uh, that, that to me don't line up in situational spots that I think that this is intentional, not a failing, which I think it isn't. But, but the Chargers, if you're the Chargers and you got Derwin James and you've got Bosa and you've got all those guys, this wasn't supposed to be your year. They're doing a similar thing. I thought, I thought for sure you're going to pull a Josh there and be like, but maybe they're not. And then go the other way and say the exact opposite thing. I, I it's, this is by the way, a full t- Jonathan, you haven't heard unless you're a regular listener of the podcast, which I'm going to assume you are, uh, is this is like a full turnaround from where Colin was at the beginning of the season. Cause uh, I feel like Colin, you were, you really felt like they were going to try and make a push for, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought a team with Christian McCaffrey on offense was going to be in position to do that. And now Christian McCaffrey hasn't been there for the most of the season. Um, things have not gone as well. Teddy, you know, Teddy's been good, but we've, it's been more up and down. So, like, things that I thought we could see, I'm still optimistic about it. Like, right now, the conversation that I think is that I'm ready to give Teddy next year. I want the quarterback discussion off the table for, for the next year and a half. I think Teddy will be better next year. I think this offense will be better next year. I think that for, for stability, this does not mean, this does not mean if you're picking at five, six, something like that, that I'm not shopping. But I just think for, I think that the, the long-term health of this organization and, and the short-term health that Teddy Bridgewater should be the quarterback. This, this will be while. something that we explore uh, uh, forever for the next, for the That's next. That's what I'm saying. I don't months. think this is a discussion. I don't mm-hmm. I, like, I know that we're going to have the discussion, but to me, like, we're seeing Teddy Bridgewater. This is still his first year as a starter following that injury. We've seen flashes. I thought we saw against New Orleans. He looked like a step better than what we're seeing most of the time this year. I think against the Chiefs, that fourth and 15 play, you know, when he makes the run, like, those kind of plays matter when you're trying to lead teams. I, I just think that – I think that this team's trajectory now at the halfway point without Christian McCaffrey is trying to be – this, as smart as you can about the uh, going forward in the Matt Rule era, and I think we're seeing that. In this Matt Rule era, is this kitchen sink approach just for this season, or do you think this is just his coaching style? We're going to see this for years to come. Well, I, how they've faked punt, they faked a punt twice in eight games. That's crazy to me. Nine games, I'm sorry. Nine games? Nine games. They've faked a punt twice in nine games, twice in the last four. Um, they've gone for it on fourth down a ton of times. At the amount of the amount that got Ron Rivera that earned Ron Rivera a nickname, Matt Rule has gone for it twice as much. And it's just kind of like, well, this is who he is, and he's an aggressive coach. I am curious whether this is how Matt Rule will coach for the entire entirety of his regime or whether this is 2020 this season he feels like you know whatever what what do I have to lose or uh you know I I am maybe I have a talent deficit so I need to go for it on fourth down and fake more punts and and go and try to make 67 yard field goals because I, I, these are the kind of things that I need to do to try and make up and, and compete this season 
Yeah, I, I think there are times, just like you just said, I mean, there are times when you go forward on fourth down, when you're a terrible team and you have nothing to lose, when you're a great team and you're cocky and you think the team that you're playing is, is bad. Um, and I, I think it'll fluctuate. But, you know, Robbie Anderson, I think we I asked him uh, this last game, or somebody did, but Robbie Anderson said that Matt Rule told them that they were going to be an aggressive team, that they were going to go for it, you know, on fourth down. Uh, so maybe that is part of his identity. I think they are going for it a little more than they probably will in the future. Um, I mean, I, I, just, I think they were like a little over the top in the Chiefs game because they had to be. I don't think that's going to be like part of the norm. Yeah. To go for it three times and then to kick two one-side kicks, like that doesn't happen normally. And, you know, I think they knew how good the Chiefs were, even though they won't admit it. I think they knew how good the Chiefs were, and that's what they had to do to keep up with them. What's going on with DJ Moore? Can I answer this real question real quick? Go ahead, Colin. Because what Josh says is, is important. We, it's not just pre-Riverboat. Pre-Riverboat, when we, when we had shut around, too. Remember the annexation of Puerto Rico? They were running some kind of crazy nonsense. And then all of a sudden, the team gets good, and you don't run that stuff. But with Rule, if you listen to each one of these decisions, that they have identified something that they see on film and then are making a decision based on that. From uh, the, the chin fake punt where they – you know, they, they um, saw that they brought in too many guys, different moves, um, even even the decision to receive against KC. Yeah, you want to establish it. You don't want to play from behind the whole time. But Rule said it was about the fourth quarter and making sure that they had the wind to slice back because they thought it would be a fourth quarter game and they would want they wanted that advantage. To me, Rule is analyzing these situations and not just calling them, well, it's time to run a fake punt because – that's what we need. Will, it, will the frequency come down? Certainly. But I think if Matt Rule is going to be the coach the Panther fans want him to be, this has to main, be part of, of the package. I, and and I, look, I look at uh, Sean Payton. Sean Payton calls the onside kick in the Super Bowl to have the guts to do that in a spot like that when it matters the most. And you know what they did? They trusted what they saw on film and in the game examples, just like Rule did against the Chiefs. The onside kick, they got it. They did everything right. The Chiefs were playing five yards back. They kicked it nine and a half yards. That's the only issue. That's it. The, the play worked. Everything worked. So I'm bullish on this, and I think it's important because Rule is identifying stuff and the staff are identifying things that are advantages on fourth down rather than just conceding the down. And to me, that is winning football. They went for it on fourth and 14 on their own side of the field down by, they were down two scores at that point with 14 minutes left. I think that's a spot where most NFL head coaches punt. And that's, honestly. and that's a Casey respect play too. I mean, that, sure. that's, you don't do that against most teams, but that is a respect play. And, and, and to me, like, yeah, that one, some of them are more aggressive in, in spots, but again, it has to be a part and it keeps the, uh, it keeps the other team having to be accountable. It makes them think about these things throughout the week. This is, to me, I, I really like what we saw. And, yeah, was it dialed up to 11 because of the year and it was the Chiefs and everything? Yes. But I think this aggressiveness is a positive for the Panthers going forward. Just real quick, real quick, real quick. One more thing on this fourth down because I have a stat. 
Uh, Ron Rivera and the Panthers went for it on fourth down 123 times in nine seasons. Uh, Matt Rule, if he keeps up at the pace that he's at through nine uh, through nine games, he will go for it 234 times wow. in nine seasons. <laughs> now, I don't think he's going to keep up at that pace. No. But these, I, but that's, I like the that's fact that's a lot that they, more. We went from we went from the arm up plow ahead, which was like the most generic thing you had, to you know even when they run something similar with Chin, it's like you get one of your dynamic playmakers the ball in that spot, and 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 it he's a defender, so they they're not necessarily alert to it. Like the evolution of these kinds of plays, I think is again it's they are analyzing this stuff. It's not just throwing stuff against the the wall because it's fourth down and we don't care about this year. How mad are you if you're Kenny Robinson and you were the other guy that was open other than Brandon Zilstra on that, uh, on that fake punt? You're like, dog, that could have been me. <laughs> I don't know what the expected- – I'm a fifth-round pick. Throw it to – he's a wide receiver. I'm a safety. Like, how much more fun would it have been if I'm Kenny Robinson catching that ball? <laughs> Zilstra caught – I don't know what the expected yards were once he caught that ball, but he got the minimum. Like the immediate 45 degree turn, which basically is what I figure I would do if I caught the ball near an NFL player and assumed I was about to get hit. I would just kind of change direction and hope for the best. That's what it looks like happened to him. He got a mm-hmm. Greg Olson amount of yak. Yeah. <laughs> funny. So let's move on. What's going on with DJ Moore with three targets and 81 snaps? Jonathan, do you have a good answer? I don't have a good answer. And every time I try to ask somebody, they don't have a good answer for me. You know, like I, I asked Teddy about that uh, yesterday and he said, you know, the offense, I guess he said it'll go to whoever, somebody's going to have a good game and somebody else is not. But I mean, I don't feel like, I don't recall maybe just one game where I felt like they didn't really go to Robbie Anderson that much. And it, I think it was because he was double teamed that game. I mean, but I feel that way about DJ Moore often. Um, now, when DJ Moore has had more catches, it hasn't really – sorry about this. When DJ Moore has had more catches, it hasn't really resulted in in more wins. Did y'all hear that sound? Yeah, you're good. We t- okay. I type it up all the time. Okay. Yeah, so my bad. Um, but, yeah, like when DJ Moore has had more catches, that hasn't, hasn't necessarily resulted in, in more wins. But I think when you have, like, a weapon like DJ Moore and he's shown that he's a playmaker and he can um, – and he can uh, take it to the house at any point in time, then I think you got to f- figure out a way uh, to get him the ball. Um, I, I, even when, like, early in the season, I noticed, like, even when, he, when Teddy was throwing it to him, you know, I think DJ Moore's catch percentage was, like, 57% at one point. Like, they just aren't connecting. The chemistry just doesn't appear to be there. Matt Will said he figured DJ Moore might be frustrated. I can't imagine how DJ Moore couldn't be frustrated. I mean, he – was supposed to be the dynamic guy, the number one guy. And I can say Robbie Anderson is definitely the number one guy. So I, I don't know what the deal is. I, the only thing I could think of is like a lack of chemistry, maybe. Well, I, I think we've, we're, we've got to the point of the show where we have to talk about the offensive line. It, it, it's not in the rundown for once, but we're, we're here. I think this is uh, – Jonathan's right about the connection. And early on – when everyone was praising Samuel for his third down production and even Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore had more third down targets than either of them at that point. And it was a small sample size. It was like nine to eight or seven or something. 
but that number has dwindled. I think part of what's happening is because of this offensive line, Teddy Bridgewater's having to make decisions pre-snap, and more often than not, DJ Moore does not have the most favorable matchup that he's going to look at pre-snap. This is one reason why I think that, that we need to give Teddy next year. I want to see Teddy and DJ with a with an offseason. No excuses. These you two guys need to figure this out because we're going to if we're going to invest in DJ, uh, we got to know, right? Like we need to know. And I, I think that um, a, a better offensive line will make th- life so much easier for DJ Moore. Teddy Bridgewater is under constant pressure. Um, I think he's getting the ball out quickly, and and I just think it's it's not favoring DJ right now. I have a I, I would be so curious, and I wish that I had a national audience to to poll this about. But how many teams out there do you think that the fan base is satisfied with their offensive line? How many teams out there do you think their Did they fan, win fans are like? Our Did Dalvin Cook look good. great that week? Did Dalvin look great that week? Did look, 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 Patrick Mahomes and Teddy Bridgewater were playing two different games in the pocket this, this past Sunday. Yeah. Mahomes, Mahomes was clean almost the entire time. And then even when just facing a four-man rush, they, they were leaving extra people in, and still the Chiefs were collapsing the pocket. This offensive line is trying to analyze anything else about this offense. I think we've reached the point – where it, it, it all falls in on itself because we, we don't have a left tackle. Okung's in, out. He's Bitcoining. I don't know what he's doing. Then we bring in another guy. That guy plays 15% of snaps. We bring in another guy. Every week we have a play where one of the guards doesn't touch anybody. Every week we have at least one of these where Teddy Bridgewater is met face-to-face with a defensive tackle instantly. The, the offensive line is 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 submarine any other analysis at this point for me. Before we move on to look ahead to the Bucks, real quick, tell me in the second half of the season, who are some of these young guys or who should be getting some more playing time? It's interesting because I feel like most of the young guys are getting playing time. Yeah, uh, I don't, I, it's an audio medium, Colin. So that big shrug that you just did won't play, but it was, but you're not wrong. You also did some very comic uh, shuffling of papers as well. That one might, that might get picked up, but I think that, uh, that they, you're, yeah. I mean, like, like Sam Franklin and Miles Hart, like Corn Elder forced a fumble, fumble and Miles Hartsfield recovered it at the end of the first half. And I was like that, you know, just how they drew it up in training camp, just what they thought would happen. And it's like, this is the, these guys are all getting a ton of playing time. Um, The only thing that I would really like to see, and I have said it multiple times on this podcast, and I will continue to beat this drum. And maybe the drum has already been beaten and the decision has already been made, but I would love to see Greg Little get three straight games at left tackle and just let him either he dies out there. And then it's like, okay, good. We're done with him at left tackle (laughs) or, or he, well, he doesn't, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Either he doesn't perform well out there at left tackle. And then you can say, okay, he can't play left tackle for the future, but this, this like putting him in a little bit. Oh, I think he played pretty well, but we got to do see more from him. Like, I feel like they've probably made this decision and this is, but just put him out there and let's see what we've got. I get it. You see what you're seeing in practice and your decisions are probably being made for a reason, but also at this point in the season, just like Colin said, it's not about wins and losses. It's a little bit more about evaluation. So let's see if you don't, if he's not going to be part of the future at left tackle, then let's make that decision in the next four weeks. 
Are you saying give an honest look? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, let's give them the old Cameron Arse pain. Insert the 2020 standard caveat about what we're all all dealing with. But Teddy Bridgewater is a first-year quarterback with a first-year coach with a bunch of young guys around him. And every time he looks at the left tackle, he doesn't know what number he's going to see. And we're going, you know, why is he not hitting Ian Thomas? Why? He, you know, he missed DJ Moore 35 yards down the field. Hey, how'd that happen? The, the, the expectations being placed on Teddy Bridgewater, this offensive line is just they, – they, they're, they're not congealing. They're not, to me, they're not coalescing, except for the runs to the right side, which looked really good when we did those a couple in the middle of the game. Really like those. Um, but other than that, like this – I don't – there's no way Teddy has – an eighth of the confidence dropping back in the pocket in his offensive line that Patrick Mahomes has. And that's every week. Yeah, no doubt. Jonathan, you got anybody young that you'd like to see on the back half of this roster? <laughs> Besides being in college, just yelling at each other? I agree with the Greg Little thing. I think that's important, um, considering Russell Okun may not be back next year. Um, but no, person- no, he's not, no, he's not going to be back next year. Which, yeah. No. I'm reporting that. Put it down. <laughs> Lock it in. No. Right, right so down think, the date. So I think seeing Greg Little is important. Another person I want to see, though, uh, is uh, Marquise Haynes. And maybe he, in practice, just doesn't look good. But every time I see him in a game, you know, he, he's hustling. And I know, I think he has a sack. Um, he's run downfield. I like Marquise Haynes' motor. Um, I'm not really sold on Stephen Weatherly. I really haven't seen much from him. So why not put. When the tour is not in, you know, why not put Marquis James out there and see what he can that's, – that's the guy who I like. I'd love to see Phil Snow work on his defensive end rotation a little bit more because Brian Burns shouldn't be playing 88% of the snaps. That's insane. Yeah, that's that's crazy talk. I get that he's the best player on defense, but that's too many. Well, it's too you, many, well, Colin. Well, if we were complaining about Christian McCaffrey playing 91% last year, we can't let it be okay for Brian Burns to play 88 so, what are the positions you can't play 100% of the snaps at? All of them except for offensive line and quarterback. Linebacker? Um, and safety. And corner. Look, Burns, is playing, Burns is playing too much, but this goes back to, I, I think, we're kind of ruined because we talk about the young guys. Like, I, I'm so busy watching, you know, Chen, Burns, and Brown. It's like, I don't have time for the small developing guys right now. Like the, the, the Haynes is the, the, the bit players. Like I'm, I'm just too focused um, on the big guys. I, I agree with you. Like Burns, if, if this team is going to be successful, Burns is playing too many snaps. So same thing for Derek Brown. But I, at this point, care more about them getting snaps than I do about anything else on this defense. Same thing with Chen. Let's look ahead to this Tampa Bay game. Is there such a thing as a mad Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah. Don't you remember when Luke played incredible defense against Gronk in the end zone? Clean defense. <laughs> Clean defense. Beautiful. Clean. Mad when they're uh, at it when they, when he doesn't get his gallons of water. Uh, I think that the uh, the the I don't know the idea that like that that the that they that they don't want to lose two in a row, so they're going to come in and make sure they're playing extra hard against Carolina. I think they're going to play pretty hard anyway. Um, but I think that it doesn't help. It's just one of those mental things where when you see them play poorly 
for one week. They they're very aware. These uh, these NFL guys like they get it. They they see Twitter, they see Instagram, they see Facebook, they see the newspaper. They understand that if you play two games in a row, your season is over poorly. So they are they are going to try and their best to make sure that they don't uh, lay another egg in Carolina. And uh, that doesn't mean that Carolina can't come out and win because I do think that Carolina can compete with anybody if they play well uh, on any given Sunday. Oh, coach speak. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they also know because there's only one bye this year. If you lose another game, you're two games back at the midway point. It's another division loss for them. They, they do need this game, um, I think, more than Carolina needs it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What can the Panthers learn from that Saints game? How can they use the Saints blueprint to beat the Bucs? If you can pressure Tom Brady, you can make him make mistakes. It's been the same, the same password to the Tom Brady interception club for the past 10 years. If you can hit him twice in the first quarter, it'll make a difference. The problem is the Panthers can't hit anybody on defense. Yeah. And they struggle to get pressure. I, I mean, that's the biggest thing with Tom Brady and has always been you know, getting pressure on him, making him forced to make bad throws. I mean, he can't run around the pocket. Like the slowest quarterback in the league. So you get pressure on him, um, you know, you, you make him make tough decisions, quick decisions. But if you give Tom Brady time, he's going to carve you up. It doesn't matter who he's playing with, the Bucks or the Patriots. So, and he's got great wide receivers, so you definitely don't want to give him time. I actually think the Panthers' best chance in this, barring turnovers or the standard fare, is that the Bucks receivers infighting. Like the Mike Evans is jealous of Antonio Brown infighting is actually the best case. <laughs> is that going to happen? Possibly. Mike, I mean, Mike Evans is not getting the ball. Mike Evans has got, got numbers he likes to put up. We'll see if he continues to be a happy camper as he, as he doesn't. Uh, get the ball because the Bucks are always capable of imploding. We know this about about the Bucks. I find it I find it very interesting the the pull of Brady versus Bucks and how this season's uh, ultimately going to play out. Like are they going to ultimately buck it up or um, you know will Brady Brady's excellence uh, transcend this season? But is it is it weird? This is this doesn't have to do with Tampa Bay, but uh, it kind of has to do with Tom Brady. Is it weird that I feel like Panthers fans are more and less happy with their team, depending on how the team in Boston does? I feel like we've talked about this already, but like when Cam has a good game on national TV, and he didn't. I don't even know if that he had a particularly awesome game, um, but when he wins and the Patriots win, I feel like uh, Panthers fans are extra salty. Uh, the next day about Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers roster. That's super salty. I got an email this morning. Ooh, no. read it out loud. You don't have to tell us who said it. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Come I can't. on, I let's can't. hear it. I can't. Not that if there's one thing I know about the Charlotte Observer, you guys get the best emails and voicemails constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is actually from like a, a, a friend, a family friend. So I oh, can't, okay. I, I, I can't oh. put him out, out like that, but he's, he's, he's a Panthers fan. And he just, you know, thinks Cam still has it. And, and, and you know, there's maybe argument to be there. And, and Panthers kind of just left him out to dry. Um, but he's definitely not a Teddy fan, uh, which I think people should give Teddy a little bit more of an opportunity. But I understand the argument about giving up on Cam when he had one more year. I totally understand that. Oh, oh yeah! If we play in we play in fantasy land where he, he they didn't have a conversation about a contract extension, 
if we if we play in fantasy land where he and his agent didn't think that they were going to get to pick where he was going to get traded to, as he stated in the conversation with Odell and, and Saquon and those guys, um, that when he said, we thought we were going to get to control, that conversation happens after the contract conversation. You only talk about where, picking where you're going to get traded if you have already said, we don't like the contract offer. That, that, that's the second you're, – you're splitting up the house at that point. You're, you're figuring out where the kids are going to spend the weekends if you're figuring out uh, – if we're talking about where you're going to get traded. So there were a lot of conversations, and as much as I've praised Cam for being the Brahma Bull, he wants to act like the victim in this case. He did this. He made this happen. It, they would have brought him back on the last year of this contract. I believe that. We've, we've uh, already, I don't we, think they would have. We bought and sold this, this camp conversation so many times. I want Jonathan to read an email well, from the Charlotte Observer. It's, it's obviously a thing. That's why I'm not ridiculous. resting until that happens. I know you got something crazy in there. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to push I have, I have plenty of crazy emails. Oh, yeah. Let's hear some crazy. Oh, let me see. Yes. Now I we're have, cooking. Open one guy. of those tabs. I have this guy in my, in my spam folder. It's always a good sign. Yeah, always a good sign when, when you got big dog podcaster at gmail.com is it? <laughs> podcaster of the year <laughs> six nine four twenty. <laughs> okay, so uh this guy says with the uh with the headline or, or the title tab, the biggest question heading into Sunday's game was how McCaffrey would be utilized Sunday. And he goes, WCF, the best back in football today. I think he hates the Panthers. Uh, he thinks sure. I'm a fan somehow. Um, and then he says, another message says, you really don't have, you really don't have a clue, do you? Damn. <laughs> he said, that's he the, says, that's he the said, whole email? That's the whole email. <laughs> it's just a personal conversation. With <laughs> yeah. And he, he's, uh, apparently he thought I picked the Panthers. I don't remember picking the Panthers for that game. He, um, he sent another email. He sends me emails every day. Nice. I, I send it to the That's kind of nice. Yeah. It's, he goes by the name Tom Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Is it, is it, could you see the IP address? Is it Tampa, Florida? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Tom Terrific123 at hotmail.com. Oh, boy. We might have to bleep that one out. Or, you know what, Tom Terrific? You're about to get some emails from some people that are going to be like, hello, Tom. And then that's the that's the whole thing. Yeah. And then you can send your emails to big dog podcaster of the year at gmail.com. That's right. <laughs> the hotmail email address does indicate an, an older user, though, I do believe. Yes. Is that well, the is that the worst email address that you can email uh, like domain that you can have? Is AOL worse than Hotmail? For sure. AOL for sure. is the worst one? <laughs> yes. Oh, you're I would paying say Hotmail. Oh, okay. No, because you could get Hotmail for free. You paid for an AOL email address and I, may still be paying for an AOL email address. Uh, I feel okay. very comfortable telling you guys that one of my first email addresses was he hate me 6001 at Hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Nice. So if you get an email from somebody like from he hate me 6001, that is not uh, Rod Smart. <laughs> that, is, that is the big dog sending you an email. Any other Bucks thoughts or Hotmail thoughts before we go to the game? Um, of, forever hold your peace. No, I thought here uh, somebody had – I don't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they said that you like the Panthers. It's almost like you feel better about the Panthers when they're underdogs 
Like I thought, I felt very confident picking the Panthers uh, going against the Chiefs. Like I didn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking that they might win. I thought they had a better chance to win than they were given, and that they certainly were not ten and a half point underdogs. And I kind of feel the same way about the Bucks, um, but I don't feel I don't feel like I don't feel as good about it as I did heading into the Chiefs game. It's almost like when they a team like this. They they still are looking for that like signature win, and I thought they could have gotten it at Kansas City, um, but obviously ultimately they fell a little bit short. And I wonder where on the schedule the next one is. And to me, it's like Green Bay, New Orleans. Those are the two spots where you could get one. I'm not sure that beating a reeling Tampa game team at home really gives you that much momentum pushing forward into the future because I think that's what they should be looking for for the rest of the season is what kind of games can they look to and then look back on at the beginning of next season and say like hey remember when we beat when we went into Lambeau Field and beat Green Bay or remember when we went to the Superdome and beat New Orleans like that that those are the kind of wins that an up-and-coming young team in the first year of a rebuild should be having and I'm not sure that this week necessarily qualifies but I'm sure they would be more than happy to get a win, obviously. I, I don't think that win's happening this season, to be perfectly honest. I, wow. I just don't think this I don't think this defense is near good enough. They don't they're not blitzing, they're playing vanilla. They're gonna get picked apart by quarterback after quarterback. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't I don't see it. And I definitely don't see it this week. Let's go to the game. It's game time. This week we are playing binge worthy. So I'm gonna give you a Panthers player. And you guys are going to decide what show they're most likely to be binging. And we're going to start with Dante Jackson. Around the horn, let's go Colin first. Uh, I went with North Carolina's own one Tariq Hill, I believe is the name of the show. (laughs) Well played. That's fair. Would it be mean to say burn notice? Is that a bad one? <laughs> oh, I know. It's bad. We've talked about how he's playing at 85%. He's toughing it through. I like what we've seen out of the youngster. He's, he's been flawed, and now here we are picking on him. Aw. What do you say, Jonathan? That's a good question. Desperate housewives. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first one that came to my mind. I watched a couple episodes. I watched a few seasons of Desperate Housewives. What? I'm not I, watched, I watched all eight seasons. Whoa! That's too many. Me too. Des- Desperate Housewives is great. It's okay, one wait, of the best wait, shows more, ever. More surprising. One of, wait, you, whoa, what? one of the best shows ever? One of the best. The funniest. Oh, one of the top 200 shows ever? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I not surprised you, I'm not surprised you watched it. I'm surprised you pulled out immediately eight seasons. You're like <laughs> definitively. <laughs> like eight that, seasons. Yeah. All eight seasons. And I, put, I end up putting another friend on there, you know, every – Every month, I tell another friend about it, and then they watch it. Who's so your favorite character? Um, Gabby. Okay. Is that Terry Hatcher? Guy. No, that's uh, um, Eva Longoria. Yes. Oh, man. I had a big old crush on Terry Hatcher, but before that, from the Lois and Clark days. Was to say, like Superman <laughs> she, days? Yeah. When she wore the pink patent leather and she yep. went undercover. The, the cool surface days. <laughs> that's that's don't Don't look that up. Unless you're a, a 14 year old kid. On <laughs> wow. I will agree, though. I like Desperate Housewives and I watched it all as well. All right, let's yeah. move on. Matt Rule. We'll start with Joshua. Oh, um, watching? I think Matt Rule is binging succession. Um, taking, uh, <laughs> uh, inheriting a large empire and uh, making his mark on it. 
And um, perhaps there is an older father figure that is not allowing him to do what he wants to do. Okay. How's that? Was that good? That was good. Really good. I, I went a different way because I am assuming that Matt Rule is constantly watching football. I just praise him for all that. And, <laughs> analysis so i think he's actually binging the sopranos because it's just on in the background and it's just comforting for him it's comfort food he can he can look over at any point okay what you got jonathan uh, i'm just gonna say game of thrones mm. uh um uh, trying to be the top dog but right now winter is coming that's fair that's fair <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he's just binging college football and he thinks the clock stops after every first down, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What about Phil Snow? What's Phil Snow watching? He seems like a CSI guy, right? Like he's, he's got, uh, he's got like all of them on his DVR. Like CS, he's just like, he knows all the characters. He just <laughs> is like saying, you know, like, like asking his uh, grandson about, um csi did you see csi los angeles last night it was incredible it was so good and it's like what what are you talking about who who watches that no it's incredible let me tell you about detective johnson uh it's uh he's unbelievable (laughs) what you got colin i I went a little bit of a different direction i think he looks at his defense he's he's an older guy Likes John Wayne. I think he's watching the old Three Musketeers movies uh, with with John Wayne. Just thinking about Chin Burns and Brown and a bunch of uh, just a bunch of rebel rabblesers around him. I like yeah. that. See, see, you said Sopranos from Matt Rule. I think Phil Snow's watching Sopranos. Mm, I could see that. Mm, yeah, I see that. Yeah. What about Robbie Anderson's favorite, Sir Purr? What's Sir Purr watching? You know that the. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh uh, the like 18 hour videos that they have on YouTube for cats that you just like leave on in the background. That's just like, it's either a fish tank or just like the backyard with like a bird that flutters by every now and then. That's what Surfer's <laughs> watching. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be, it's gotta be kid friendly. I, I, I assume. So I, I think he's probably watching Tom and Jerry, um, mm. but you do have to be careful about watching too much or you will find yourself rooting for Drew Brees. <laughs> I think uh, he's watching the Jungle Book over and over again. Yes. Oh, that's there good. You know. that's the Bear good. Necessities, mm-hmm. Mother Nature's Recipes, mm-hmm. the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> I had all those books when I was a kid. I loved every one of them. What about Robbie Anderson? Uh, the Berenstein Bears also. <laughs> uh, he seems like a sped. Did you guys ever watch Space Ghost, Coast to Coast? I don't know why when I was thinking of Robbie Anderson and what he watches, that just popped into my head. So that's so, like there are going to be three people out there listening that are going to be like, okay, all right. I could see that. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. All right. I remember Brack. Yeah, there you go, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a monkey. Um, I think Robbie seems like I, I, I like Robbie. I, we've all enjoyed the Robbie experience. He does seem a little bit oblivious to me at times. I think there's a decent chance Robbie just has the screensaver on. <laughs> that's funny. I, I think Robbie, what's, what's that sci-fi show that that's really good? It has three seasons now. Um, uh, Rick and Morty? No, 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 no. It's, uh, Why do I think he watches cartoons so much? It's just like, <laughs> it seems like... Well, when oh, he almost Stranger Things. Mm. Yeah, there yeah, you go. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. 
But like uh, against the Chiefs, like he almost just the the refs making a, a penalty call, and like Robbie just almost walks into him while he's making the call. Like, oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't see you there. Like a Stephen Jackson gif. <laughs> was that Stephen Jackson? Who was that that popped into the Lance Stevenson? Lance Stevenson. Lance, yeah, yeah. Pops into that gif. That's a fun gif. Yep. All right, one more. Teddy Bridgewater. What's Teddy time watching? After that fourth and fourteen conversion, Space Jam, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got to lead this this crew, this offensive line. He's that's that's Space Jam. It, you know, just the products we're still allowed to celebrate about Space Jam. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's watching it, but maybe he should check check out uh, Breaking Bad so he can learn uh, what a good ending looks like. Is that not good? Is that a knee that's joke? not good. That's, that's not, not a good... knee joke, is it? Because that's not that's my quarterback. No, it's that he can't, he's terrible at ending. It's like he's been watching Lost over and over again. <laughs> That's funny. He's, he's, he's watching uh, reruns of the Miami Heat championship. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Vice. Yeah, Miami Vice. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple more. I don't know if we're done, but I have a couple more just that we're going to get to. Um, I don't know if we'll get there, but uh, um, DJ Moore is watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, uh, CMC's Christmas watching Christmas. family photos. Yeah, Shit's Creek. Um, uh, Joe Brady's watching Atlanta because that's where he'll be coaching next year. Curtis hey. Samuel's hey. always Not sunny okay. in Philadelphia because that's where he'll be playing next year. Hey. Jeremy Chin is watching Watchmen because I don't know, Watchmen's just really good. Um, and then Luke Keekley is watching Friends because um, we all just wish that it would come back. <gasps> I like that. Is that good? Is that, that a good was one? Good. That was a, a good, good one to end on. I love that. Jonathan, where can the listeners and folks at home find you on the Twitters and internets? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John M. Alexander, J-O-N-M Alexander. On Instagram, same thing, but an underscore at the end of the John M. Alexander. And you can find my writing at charlotteobserver.com slash sports. Support local journalism. Please do. Support please do. We need you. Journalism. If you want me to be around for a while, please support. Yes, absolutely. Joshua? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Josh Klein Rules. You can read my stuff at therightreport.com. Um, uh, other uh, podcasts and, and other things are on there as well. Um, and also, if I can do a quick plug, I'm, I would imagine a lot of people that are listening are already know this, but um, for the rest of the season in 2020, the Roaring Riot has their own section at Bank of America Stadium, which is super cool. Uh, the Panthers are... Um, trying to create like a unique home field advantage. So by doing that, they're putting all the, the rowdiest and most diehard fans uh, in one spot and they are um, their discounted tickets and they're, uh, they're, they're really just, it's a great deal. So I would, I would recommend everybody go to roaringriot.com and check out those tickets. Um, and uh, that's it. Dave Matthews has a new song on YouTube. Go check it out. It's good. Singing from the windows. <laughs> Always getting a Dave Matthews plug in there as well. Colin? People can follow me on Twitter at Colin CLT. Um, if you have any questions, you think I said anything crazy on here, just feel free to reach out and let's have ourselves a little conversation. Oh, that's nice. Isn't oh. it? Draft Denny, Charlotte Hornets, if you're listening. Denny Avdia. Are you going to reply to that email and, and say that? No. No. no I'm not. It's just, it's just a we week another, away. We have another episode that's coming out on draft day next week. So that that's when we're really going to drill down on Hornets Corner. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Oops. 
the you, the you got Lam- Lamelo Ball feelings you need to get out. No, I'm all set. I got all my feelings out the door. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you can direct all of your cranberry and Thanksgiving sides hot takes to Colin. He he enjoys that, and he enjoys defending the cranberry. I love the cranberry too, just not as much as as Colin does. Follow Nikki at Nikki704. Send me an email at Big Dog Podcasting 420 <laughs> at hotmail.biz. Dot, dot, or dot edu. Looking at those mock drafts, everybody. <laughs> this has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. Jonathan Alexander, your One Day Contract is up. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Just send me the um, the paycheck in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. It was a Start futures with contract. The two wins a two-way contract. I'm not sure 100% how that works.